BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. From coastal beaches to the high Sierra and from redwood forests to desert sand dunes, California has 280 state parks available to explore and enjoy. These protected areas offer low-cost ways to scratch that itch for adventure, want to stand at the base of a stunning waterfall or one of the world's largest trees, or check out amazing wildlife. We'll get recommendations this hour about what state parks to go to and what to do there. And hear from you about your favorite state park. Stay with us. Forum is next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We know spending time outdoors is good for us, improving both our physical and mental health and our sense of connection to the planet. It allows us to feel the joy of discovery and spurs our creativity. California, with 280 state parks, is the nation's largest state park system, encompassing more than a million acres of forests, beaches, meadows, wildlife reserves, and historic sites. So why should national parks get all the love? This hour, we'll hear about and celebrate all that the state has to offer. So listeners, tell us about your favorite state parks, the experiences you've had there, the ones you feel connected to. And joining us for this conversation, Jose Gonzalez, founder of Latino Outdoors, committed to connecting Latino communities to outdoor experiences with programs and resources. Jose, so glad to have you on. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Chelsea Lowe is also with us, a travel writer who also really knows her kid-friendly state parks. Chelsea, thanks for joining. So happy to be here. Thanks. And Brad Day, publisher of WeekendSherpa.com for outdoor adventures in California. Brad, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. I was actually reading, Brad, that California has... 87 parks, 63 state beaches, 51 historic parks, 16 natural reserves. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we really are incredibly lucky here, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, we have so many different, I mean, we're going to focus on state parks today. But um, I mean, between all the regional parks, the state parks, the national parks, California has so much open space. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned um, earlier, there's 280 uh, units in the state park system. That's like 5,200 miles of trails. That's 15,000 campsites. Um, I mean, that's it's really quite a lot. Um, so yeah, yeah. We're, we're pretty uh, lucky to be here. Incredible. So so where 
Should we go? What's your favorite state park and why? Or the one you find that you're always recommending to people? Jose, start us off. What's one you want to share? Happy to. So one of the hats that I also wear is as a counselor for Save the Redwoods League, which really um, you know, focuses on protecting redwoods both in the in the Sierra and along the coast. So I'm, I love, I just, I'm a sucker for redwoods. And I always <laughs> tell people, make your way north if you can to Prairie Creek or Jedediah Smith to just see what it was like and also still what is there. What is the awe and majesty that those redwoods provide? Oh, nice. What about you, Chelsea? Where would you recommend folks go or or you would list as your one of your top state parks? Sure. So I'm I'm based in Los Angeles. And as you mentioned, I have two young kids, 10 and three. So I try to get them out. Um, and it can't involve too long of a drive because they won't really tolerate it and then give me some energy where we land. So I really kind of just look to what's accessible. And I do think to the point of how many parks there are in California, probably anywhere you are, there is one, two, three, four, five or more places you could reach within an easy drive. So in Los Angeles, I take the kids to, I mean, iconic Santa Monica State Beach, which has the pier, but I like to get off that beaten path. There's this hidden gem called the Annenberg Community Beach House. Um, there is a beautiful playground that they've set up that's shaded in the sand. There's a splash pad. It's all free other than parking, typical Los Angeles conundrum um, and a historic pool that's been there the beach house the remaining part was still built by William Randolph Hearst in the 20s and 30s so there's little gems everywhere so I take the kids to the beaches um, Malibu Creek State Park is another place I go easy easily accessible you can hike you can bird watch yeah oh and I was gonna go to Annenberg the last time I was in the area because I also have kids who are four eight and twelve <laughs> and so but we didn't quite make it but now I'm gonna definitely make sure we go there the next time I'm down in yes, the keep, Santa Monica yeah. area yes uh Brad what about you what's top of your list you know one that kind of flies under the radar a little bit but it's it's really right under our nose for people that live in the San Francisco Bay um is Angel Island State Park it's mm -hmm. right in the middle of the bay and it has um, just several different recreational opportunities. Um, you can rent a bike there or you can bring your own and you can cycle the perimeter road, which is this paved, uh, paved road that goes all around Angel Island. And I really like that as a bike ride because you get such a different perspective on San Francisco on kind of like, uh, and the Bay. And it's just, it's a great way to you know, take the family out and um, there's little informational panels about Angel Island and it's kind of interesting, uh, somewhat dark past. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a great place to to go for the afternoon. You can also go hiking there. You can hike to the top of Mount Livermore, which gives you that um, amazing view of the Golden Gate Bridge, the Bay Bridge, uh, the Richmond Bridge. Um, and you can even camp on Angel Island. Those campsites are Go pretty quickly, but if you're uh, lucky enough to to score a campsite, it's it's really magical listening to uh, the foghorns at night and just kind of waking up to the beauty of San Francisco Bay. Yeah, thanks for the reminder about Angel Island. And listeners, remind us what state parks are under our noses that we might be missing or a park that you find yourself returning to again and again. And, and tell us why your memories of visiting a state park, if you have them. Also, of course, you could ask for recommendations from our guests for a park that meets your needs for hiking or camping or 
uh, activities that you want to do, things that you want to see or that are most accessible to you, email forum at kqed.org. Find us on our social channels at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. We're at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You know, Jose, with, with so many, as Brad was saying, just so nearby, what do you think are the barriers that stop people from going to some of these amazing places that all three of you mentioned? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I used to, back when we used to say there's an app for that, I like to say there's a park for that, <laughs> right? Uh, and when it's parks for all, it means really parks for, for all Californians as well, for all the types of connection and recreation, uh, knowing that that can look different for different communities. Um that some may be a transportation limitation uh, if you're overly relying on public transportation to get you there, for example. Um, other times is familiarity of what can you do at that type of park if it's more focused on recreation versus more focused on preservation uh, and what types of activities you're looking for. Um, and even though I think I would argue that the value add of all of our parks is there, uh, cost can still be a limitation in different ways, both in terms of getting their uh, entry fees uh, and so forth. But at the end of the day, I would say uh, the most uh, actionable and important uh, barrier and limitation is making sure that we're all doing our part to feel that these places are um, have a space of welcome and belonging for everyone. Uh, and that's simple to say, but usually it's when families say, I didn't feel welcome there because maybe... Uh, the way that I, you know, that I dress or people saw me as not fitting in there. And so those are the types of things with a lot of community-based organization we're trying to say, these are public spaces. They're meant for all Californians. So what is our role in ensuring that that's what we do? Yeah, such a good point, Jose. Chelsea, I know that there are the things that, there are these things that the park system has been trying to do to make visiting easier and a little more accessible. Can you tell us, like, for example, about the California Adventure Pass? Right. I mean, the California Adventure Pass, I think, is designed at this. It's designed at helping young people recognize that the parks exist around them and then inviting them to come in. So the California State Park Adventure Pass is for fourth graders, and it has like a little timeline around when you're actually a fourth grader. But if a fourth grader applies, it's free to apply then the fourth grader and their family enter parks for free. So whatever the day pass or the day rate is, is waived. Um, and I think, and I'm, I'm not certain on this, but I mean, I, re, I grew up in California and I feel like fourth and fifth grade is kind of this time where you actually, the curriculum used to be a major part of it was to study California history. So I think it's tied together. It's still this period in time where the children are learning about California history, all facets of it, and to get out into these parks and sort of experience the history um, I love that the past is letting people do that and it's removing that, that financial barrier. Yeah, it, I, I do think that that's so important. I know it's not every pass that every park that you can get into with these passes, but it's a lot of them and it's definitely worth checking out. Brad, if you don't have a car, what would you say are the most accessible by public transit? Yeah, that's um, that's really good question. Um, I mean, to go back to the the Angel Island example, yeah, um, yeah, the, you you take a ferry to get out to Angel Island, and you can catch that ferry um, from multiple points in in the bay. Um, I believe you can catch it right from San Francisco. Um, you can catch it um, in Tiburon up in Marin County. Um, so that you know that that opens it up a, a little bit, but 
you know, Jose does touch on a good point that, you know, it's cost can be a little bit prohibitive. Um, a, A lot of these amazing natural beauty landscapes are further out. Right. And not that many people can get out to, um, Calaveras Big Trees State Park up in Gold Country or Prairie Creek Redwoods up uh, on the Humboldt Coast. I mean, there's there's so many beautiful places and state parks that are that are hard to access. So it's something um, that I guess we all have to kind of think about is how can we get more more people to visit these beautiful places? Because as a as a kid, I remember growing up in the Central Valley and some of my first experiences in the outdoors was going up to Sequoia National Park, which was about 30 minutes um, from where I grew up. And it just had such an impact on me as a kid, just seeing these gigantic, beautiful trees and just getting up into the high Sierra. Um, it, it's uh, it's something that I think is is great for all Californians to be able to experience if we can, uh, if we can do that. I agree. Do you think that the state parks, Brad, have some advantages even over national parks that we might not be considering? Um, advantages as to um, I guess what in terms offer. of yeah, what they offer that might be different from what a national park offers. Are they more California centric typically, or? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I it certainly seems as though there's a there's a heck of a lot more of them. Um, I mean, two hundred and eighty, and they they cover all ranges from. Um, you know, preserving historic um, archaeological sites to, um, you know, really just kind of preserving the landscape itself, Um, historic houses. Um, I live in Sonoma and right in town, there's Sonoma State Historic Park. Um, So, you know, that Sonoma has this this history in California, and it's just that there's a variety of different um, state parks um, that, uh, that that are, are part of the system. So yeah, I would say it's definitely more California-centric. Well, we will hear more about California state parks after the break and hear your recommendations, listeners. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The summer air by the seaside The way it feels Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. 
There's still plenty of time to plan a summer road trip or outdoor adventure to explore California's natural wonders. We're talking about California state parks and getting recommendations for what to check out and what to do with Jose Gonzalez, founder of Latino Outdoors, Chelsea Lowe, a travel and family writer, and Brad Day, a publisher of WeekendSherpa.com. And we're hearing from you, our listeners. What's your favorite California state park? What's a park you find yourself returning to again and again? What recommendations would you like from our guests for a park that meets your needs with regard to activities or what you want to see or accessibility? You can email forum at kqed.org. Find us on social at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And this listener on Discord writes, a couple of years ago, my friend and I found a beach on the map near Palo Alto. It was the most amazing beach I'd been to since moving to California. So I want to say that San Gregorio State Beach is one of my favorite places to go in the Northern California areas. Recently, Yelp listed the top 50 state parks in the United States, and the highest-ranked California park was Wilder Ranch. It came in at number four overall in the country and, of course, was the top California park, so we had to know why. So we've asked Joe Connors to come. Joe Connors is a supervising ranger at Wilder Ranch. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Joe, why do you think it was so high on the list? Well, you know, we're very close to millions and millions of people, and we're also on the, a very popular route, you know, along Highway 1 from a lot of people from international come to San Francisco and drive down Highway 1 all the way to L.A. or vice versa. And uh, we're one of the popular spots along that route. So so what can people do at Wilder Ranch? What are people's favorite things or your favorite things, actually, about Wilder Ranch, too? Uh, we've got a lot of popular features, uh, mostly the we have 7,000 acres of land and in there 35 miles of recreational trails for multi-use that includes hiking, biking, and horseback riding. We also have uh, several pocket beaches that are quite popular. There's surfing, there's wildlife viewing. Uh, We also have uh, the namesake of the park is the Wilder Ranch uh, Historical Preserve. And that's where the Wilders did dairy farming in the late 1800s. And that's preserved frozen in time, if you will down in the historical complex. So are you getting more people coming since maybe even before this list came out? And do you have any thoughts or advice you want to give people about visiting or, or that they should know before they come? I sure do. And thanks for the opportunity. Since, uh, we, like many outdoor places since COVID, um, we've been discovered by a lot more people than <laughs> Uh, have visited before that. Uh, We've been around since about 1974, but uh, yes, the last few years, we've definitely seen a surge in visitation. Uh, Wilder Ranch has many access points along Highway 1. It's about nine or 10 miles from just north of the city of Santa Cruz to just north of the town of Davenport along Highway 1. Best advice to visit if you're new coming to Wilder Ranch is to come down to our main entrance. It's just about two and a half or so miles north of the city limits of Santa Cruz. And there you'll find our, our main parking lot. It is $10 to park unless you have an annual day use pass. And when you come in there, you'll receive information from the staff in our kiosk, get a park brochure with it has the trails on it. That's a great place to start. There's bathroom facilities there. There's access to the cultural preserve down below. And one of the best hiking spots is along the 
Old Cove Landing Trail, which is accessible from that main entrance. It's about two and a quarter miles. It's pretty flat. It's not ADA accessible, but it is relatively flat and it's easy to get around for most people. Well, Joe, thanks so much for telling us about Wilder Ranch State Park. Really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Joe Connor is a supervising ranger there, and we're hearing about the California gems that are in the state park system from our guests and also from you, our listeners. And on the line now is Rachel Norton in San Francisco. Hi, Rachel. You're on. Hi, Nina. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thanks for having us um, have, doing this show. I am the executive director of California State Park Foundation, and I wanted to make sure that your listeners knew that you can now go to any public library in California and check out a day-use pass um, to state parks. And Joe mentioned, you know, at many parks there is a fee to use the to use the park for the day, and so those passes can help lower barriers for folks that may not be able to afford the entry fees. Um, and I just want to also say, I mean, California state parks are the best of California and uh, we fight every day to make sure that they are protected and preserved and accessible for all Californians. And uh, the system needs our love and our, um, our attention. And so it's wonderful that you're doing mm. this program. Well, thanks for saying that, Rachel. The system needs our love and attention might be reflected in a couple of these comments from our listener, Stephen writes, California has a wonderful set of state parks, but it is scandalous that the state is not funding and maintaining a huge number of them. Where we live in San Rafael, China Camp State Park is being funded and cared for completely by a local volunteer group. I was so disappointed when the ballot measure that would have funded the parks failed several years ago, but the legislature still needs to step up and support the parks properly. And John writes, I'm a huge fan of the outdoors and California state parks. That said, many of the parks are closed or so busy that access is difficult to impossible. Point Lobos is a great example. Frequently, areas are closed due to overuse, which then focuses the remaining visitors into the remaining parks. And this creates a vicious feedback loop. The bottom line is the supply is not keeping up with the demand. You know, Jose, there are a couple things in those comments that I wanted to ask you about. First of all, some people may not want to share their fave parks or keep them close to the best because they're worried they will get too crowded. But why is it so important to spread the word about the parks in our system? Because it just feels like if people don't know about them, they don't really support them, right? Right. And I think that's key. Uh, uh, I'm both familiar, right, and aware I can under even understand what people want to uh, you know, even unintentionally gatekeep some specific state parks because, like, I want less people there. Uh, when the National Park Service did their centennial, like, find your park, there were places like Yosemite. It was like, actually, find another park. <laughs> there was more. And I think our state parks offer that. Uh, so the two points there is, one, uh, on the funding question, uh, there needs to continue to be more sustained funding for our state parks. There is more money on the way. Uh one of the hats that I also wear is as a, uh, as a board member for Parks California, which is the statutory nonprofit uh, partner to California State Parks. And so part of that is being able to both provide funding that supports uh, some state parks programs, as well as uh, community-based organizations, um, as well as AB 209 that uh, was recently a couple years past that provides outdoor equity uh, grants program funding for community-based organizations to be able 
to take communities out to the to the state parks. And the key thing here is not just to provide the recreational experience, as we often say, it's not just the access, but it, it can connect you to the responsibility and the opportunity to be uh, to be actively engaged in the stewardship uh, and the advocacy uh, and in the voting uh, and in the pushing for what continues to support our state parks, because we need to continue to do this as our state park system needs to be both reflective of, but supported by the California of 2050 and not just 1950. Yeah. And let's be real. It is, as you say, the magical experiences that we have there that make people or inspire people to support their parks more. Chelsea, I'm curious if there is an experience that you had at a park or maybe that you had with your kids that, you know, you never expected when you got there, but were just open to it and it happened for you. (laughs) Oh, sure. I mean, I think something I love about the state parks is that, you know, it's impossible to truly know them unless you're just someone who's there every day. So I regularly show up to a state park that I've never set foot in, or I set foot in when I was five, and now I'm bringing my own children there. And I mean, that's part of the adventure for me is really showing up and kind of having that flex time, seeing what happens. So um, a couple summers ago, I take my girls on a road trip pretty much every summer if I can. And a couple summers ago, we met my mother and we went to Morro Strand State Beach to just enjoy Morro Rock. And we got there and I have never seen in my life a larger collection of sand dollars, hundreds, if not thousands. You couldn't without stepping on a sand dollar. And I've never seen anything like that in any beach in California. So I had my mother, who is a collector at heart, collector of all things, and my eight-year-old, who's definitely following in her footsteps, and then the two-year-old, who's just like, what are these things? And I walk around, and I'm talking to the locals, and they're like, we've also never seen anything like this. And it was just this amazing memory, a core memory, I think, for my girls on a beach in California, and just sort of, again, showing up, not really knowing what's going to happen, and enjoying the moment. And it's one of my favorite memories of a California state park in a long time. Oh, that's a beautiful memory. You know, one thing I really loved about advice in your pieces is also, Trimmer, like when you're taking your kid to a state park that they often cannot hike long distances or go for a really long time walking. And so beaches are so perfect because, you know, they can just hang out and play with the two things they love most, water and and sand or dirt, essentially. But also, it is a really good thing to keep in mind that they don't go very far, (laughs) especially if they're younger. 100%. And I think, you know, one of the first things you learn about traveling with younger people is to really, you know, alter your expectations. You're not going to cover as much ground. If as an adult traveling alone, you had 10 things you hope to do in a state park, plan on doing two. And then that's okay. You know, I think no, no one really does well with a bar that's set so high you can't reach it. And so I think I really, that's something I really do. Temper your expectations anywhere, state parks and beyond when you're traveling with kids. And that's fine. Um, I also do little tricks like, again, I'm a very novice bird watcher, but California's in the Pacific flyway. We have some amazing species pretty much everywhere you turn, even in your front yard. And um, I've taken to like getting my kids just very simple child-sized binoculars and sort of having them, you know, giving them little tools with which to engage in the land um, in a different way. So it's not all about getting to the end of the three mile hike. Sometimes you only go half a mile and you look at some birds and you enjoy the wildflowers and then you turn around and go back. And that's okay too. Yeah. Well, let me go to caller Bill in Daly City. Hi, Bill. You're on. Hi. Uh, well, first of all, my favorite park is Henry Cal Redwood State Park in Felton in the Santa Cruz Mountains, south of San Francisco. Uh, but the real reason I'm calling in is to kind of dovetail with a lot of the comments that have been made already about supporting state parks, 
California State Parks Foundation has a great volunteer program where people can get on their list and sign up for work parties at various state parks around the Bay Area, uh, including uh, Half Moon Bay, uh, Candlestick Park, Henry Cowell. Mm. Uh, volunteers come together. They're given the equipment they need. Uh, we've got a park maintenance uh, lead supervisor who tells us what the task is. We have a core leader that's working with the State Parks Foundation uh, that uh, helps direct us. There are little snacks that are provided. It's a great day in the woods. It's only once a month, about three or four hours. Uh, and not only does the California State Parks Foundation uh, provide this opportunity, uh, through their website, uh, if you Google California State Parks it'll come, or Foundation, it'll come right up. Uh, but there are also community groups uh, that provide volunteer support at Henry mm -hmm. Cowell and other state parks around, such as China Camp, which was mentioned earlier. So everybody should check that out and come out and support the parks. It's amazing how much work we get done that the park staff wouldn't be able to do on their own. Oh, well, Bill, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Come out and, and volunteer. Thanks for that reminder. Um, let me go to John in Placer County next. Hi, John. You're on. Hey, hey thanks for uh, taking the call. Um, yeah, my favorite state park is probably Mount Diablo. But a couple of tips um, on, on camping. Usually you can't just show up and car camp at a state park. Uh, you know, you have to make reservations. And camping on Angel Island, very, very tight. You have to make reservations six months in advance, I think, uh, to the minute. And another tip about state parks is a lot of them have very strict prohibitions about alcohol uh, to the point where I've seen rangers going through garbage cans next to campsites looking for evidence. So the best way to get kicked out of a state park is to be having a beer. Anyway, um, thanks again, and this is a great show. So, well, well, thanks, John. One. Thanks for those tips and reminders, too. Really appreciate it. Um, and Brad, you alluded to the difficulty of getting a campsite at Angel Island. Georgia has a question that you also probably be good on. Georgia writes, are there ways for folks to rent or borrow camping equipment? The necessary gear is cost prohibitive for many people. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of places you can do that. I believe sports basement, um, you can rent some, uh, backpacking gear or tents. Um, I believe <laughs> REI offers that as well. So yeah, those are great ways to kind of dip your toes into it. And um, the previous caller was was spot on. It is really hard to get some of those really desirable camp spots um, on Angel Island. But I will throw this out there for people that live in the Bay Area that are looking for a great camping opportunity, but didn't, you know, think ahead to get that campsite six, six months ago, which is when that reservation system opens. Um, on the Sonoma Coast, there's some great walk-in campsites that are first come first serve um, on in Pomo Canyon, which is a great, it's an amazing redwood forest, Fern Canyon. I believe there's 21 um, first come first serve and there's some ADA accessible camping there as well. So you can sniff out some places um, and be a little spontaneous. Um, and that's a really good one. We're talking with Brad Day, publisher of WeekendSherpa.com. We're talking with Chelsea Lowe, a travel writer, Jose Gonzalez, founder of Latino Outdoors. And we're talking with you, our listeners, about your favorite state parks, ones that you'd recommend or questions you have about what you can do there, how to get camping equipment and the like. <clears throat> 
This listener writes, Indian Grinding Rock State Historic Park is an amazing park in the foothills. Michael writes, shout out to McCarricker State Park on the coast in Mendocino County. Noel tweets, Point Lobo State Reserve and El Capitan State Beach in Santa Barbara County. Jose, you grew up in the Central Valley. Talk about some of your favorite state parks from the Central Valley. I'm listening to all these parks and and memories are coming up (laughs) in terms of all the ones that I've been. Uh, And I'll add two quick things before I share my favorite too. Uh, As Brad was noting, all the different ways to be able to access or rent uh, camping equipment for community-based organizations, uh, state parks has a fam cam program. So you could go uh, through that um, and get both training as well as access to get to uh, gear trailers. So all everything you need to be able to camp uh, can be provided for you in that way. Uh, and then in addition, as Rachel uh, called in from the State Parks Foundation uh, about the library pass, that's um, that's in addition to the adventure pass. And there's also a golden bear pass, especially uh, for kind of, you know, senior citizens, but also in anybody that that's of low income. So there's different opportunities out there. And sometimes people may just not know. Um, yeah. And so, actually, so I, I should yeah. shout out to a piece that... Uh, KQED put up last year, I believe, all about the library pass that you were mm-hmm. just talking about, too. So if you want more info on that, you can find that article, How to yeah. Get Free Entry to California State Parks. Uh, and I say that because growing up in the Central Valley, uh, I grew up both knowing very little or as not as aware of the resources, right, to get to some of these tar- state parks. Or where, where were they? Most of the time, it was like you had to travel to the beach. And yet... Um, one of my closest state parks is Caswell Memorial State Park, uh, which preserves a stretch of the Stanislaus River, kind of like how it used to be. And it's just beautiful and gorgeous, as well as um, the first time that I saw sequoias was at, Cal- was at Calaveras Big Trees as an elementary school student. And that just started part of this love affair with redwoods and sequoias and also state parks. Um, and then I'll put in a pitch to say one of our newest, I believe actually the newest state parks on the way is Dos Rios coming up uh, near mm-hmm. Modesto. Oh, cool. Um, parks in development. The system is growing. We're talking about California state parks, the ones you should check out and what you can do there, what you can see with our panel of experts and also with you our listeners and we'll have more of that after the break stay with us you are listening to forum i'm mina kim Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. California has 280 state parks with wildlife reserves, beaches, and other protected sites. We're talking all about them with Brad Day, publisher of Weekend Sherpa, Chelsea Lowe, a travel writer who knows a lot about family-friendly state parks, Jose Gonzalez, founder of Latino Outdoors, and you, our listeners. What's your favorite state park? What are your memories of visiting them? What recommendations would you like from our guests for a park that could meet your needs or a state park that's still on your bucket list? Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on social media at KQED Forum. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. Call us 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Paul writes, Sue Meg State Park used to be Patrick's Point. Great ocean views, narrow, winding, almost overgrown trails make you feel like you're in the thick of nature. Early morning mist makes it mysterious. Flat trails make it accessible for all generations of the family. Oh, thanks, Paul. Let me go next to Andy in Sunnydale. Hi, Andy. You're on. Hi. Thanks. Yeah, I wanted to mention um, an absolute gem, which is in Orange County, and it's Crystal Cove State Park. Uh, it's been there. Um, actually, our great-grandparents used to go there uh, in the, back in the 20s and 30s of, of the previous century. Um, it's been used, uh, I think, for some of the Hollywood shoot. There's a, um, there are cottages you can rent, and they're historically preserved cottages um, with a beautiful view. It's nestled between Newport and Laguna. Um, and then there's also a great backcountry on the other side of the PCH uh, hiking right around there. Oh. So it's just a, a great place. It's hard to get reservations. Uh, you do have to do those online with uh, Reserve California, but it is possible. And it's, uh, it's a magical uh, spot. Oh, thanks, Andy. Yeah, Chelsea, I do hear a lot about Crystal Cove. I've never been there, though, but I know it's high on your list, too. It is. I totally second Crystal Cove State Park. Um, I tend to take, take the kids tide pooling. I'll just look at the low tide calendar and make sure we arrive, um, park for a couple hours and tide pool. It is absolutely beautiful. And tide pooling appeals to all ages. There's nothing more fun than to be very careful and look at all those creatures in the tide pools. You know, Chelsea, one spot that I uh, saw on a piece that you did for Travel and Leisure was a recommendation for the Salton Sea as like a hidden gem. And uh, I was there years and years ago, and it was so cool. But but with reports of, you know, the water turning more toxic and so on and the havoc of the drought, I've wondered what it's like to be there now. Can you tell us why you put Salton Sea on your list? I mean, yeah, I think I'm by no means an expert of the history of Salton Sea, but I think I've read enough stories to understand that this is a landscape that has changed dramatically in the recent, you know, recent years. And it kind of caught my attention because of birding, because the birds still do stop there. Um, But, you know, I actually, I don't feel like I'm an expert on it, but it's on my list because it is, I actually haven't been, but it's otherworldly in the photographs and I would like to see the birds. And I think it's a really interesting piece of California history. Yeah. Um, well, this listener writes, a scheduled outing to Angel Island. Ooh, Angel Island is getting a lot of love. A scheduled outing to Angel Island with my mom turned cold and drizzly. I didn't have high hopes that the ADA available tram would be operating on such a day. I approached the state park ranger about taking my mom around the island 
and he suggested we take the van that was available. What then unfolded was a personalized tour, not only explaining the fascinating layers of history on the island, but also the rangers' personal connection through relatives that had immigrated to the U.S. from the island's immigration station. For myself, my wife, and mom, on otherwise gray day, an otherwise gray day turned bright and unforgettable. Shout out to all rangers that inform and facilitate the public's passion for their state parks. Oh, thanks for sharing that story. And Pallavi in Fremont. Pallavi, thanks for calling. What would you like to know? Um, I want to know if there are any good dog-friendly state parks that you recommend around the Bay Area. Mm. Brad, you have a dog, right? <laughs> dog-friendly state parks. <laughs> I do. You do have to be a little careful with um, with dogs in state parks because there, there are a lot of places where they're not allowed, but there are some places where they... They are allowed indeed. And one in uh, in Marin County is Samuel P. Taylor State Park. Um, they have a great um, paved multi-use path called the Cross Marin Trail. Um, it used to be an old railroad and they uh, converted it to a, a, a nice flat path that you can take your bikes on, which I, I highly recommend. It parallels Lagunitas Creek and it's also dog friendly. Um, so that's that's a great place to go on an, on a nice walk in the redwoods with your dog. If you want to go to the beach, um, there's several pocket beaches, um, on Sonoma coast that are dog friendly, like shell beach. Um, there are some that aren't, so you do have to kind of follow the signs and go to their website before you head out, but they do have some dog friendly beaches on that, uh, Sonoma coast, uh, state park. And we've got a couple comments here about dogs. Daniel writes, over 40% of California households have a dog as a family member, but California state parks do not allow dogs on the great majority of state beaches and trails. This excludes a large portion of Californians from enjoying our wonderful parks. Dogs should be allowed with reasonable restrictions, such as leashes and cleanup requirements on beaches and trails, unless there are sensitive resources that they could harm, such as snowy over nesting beaches. On the other side of that, Kim writes, one barrier to our attendance or support of state parks is the lack of access for leash dogs on trails, which is not smart given the huge increase in dog ownership. So again, do you want to weigh in on either of those comments, Brad? Yeah. It's, do you uh, think we should allow more dogs? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, having a dog, I, I do see, I see both sides of the argument. Um, I think there are a lot of, of very responsible dog owners that you know, a lot of times it, it comes down to, to the poop, um, you know, people <laughs> need to, need to clean that up. And sometimes some, some bad apples can ruin it, ruin it for, uh, for everybody. But, um, perhaps there's a hybrid where you can kind of try out, um, some places that are perhaps not so sensitive, um, that would be a great trial place to have dogs on leash. I'm just throwing some ideas out there because I, I do think I get it. We, you know, riding weekend Sherpa and having, um, you know, a, a great audience of, of, of dog owners, um, we get that question a lot. And it seems like there's a lot of people who like to get outdoors. They have their dog. Um, and there isn't a lot of places within the state park system that allow that. So perhaps, you know, opening up some places that make sense to give it a trial run. Um, cause it, you know, I think it could be quite popular. Let me go to caller Martha in Sacramento. Hi, Martha, you're on. 
Hello. Thank you so much for having this show today. I'm thrilled. I wanted to do a shout-out, and I have a question. So the park shout-out um, that I'd like to make is for Henry Coe State Park, oh, yeah. and that's in Morgan Hill. Perhaps somebody else has already spoken about it this morning. I, I tuned in a little bit late. Nope. Um, I wanted to point out that it's the second largest state park in California. It's over 60,000 acres, and about a third of it is designated as wilderness. Um, and it is just outside of Morgan Hill, so just south of San Jose. Um, beautiful, beautiful wildflowers in the spring. And I guess I'm somewhat partial to it because I was part of the team that helped to designate uh, that wilderness area to advocate for that wilderness part of the park, which is about a third of the park. A question for the panel. I have a memory, vague memory, that there is a state park in the South San Joaquin Valley that addresses African-American agricultural history in the state of California. And I was wondering if any of the panelists, if I'm remembering correctly, and if any of the panelists had information mm. that they could share. Uh, Martha, thanks. Uh, Jose, I think I'll go to you on that, given your Central Valley roots. Yeah, great question. And also shout out for Henry Coe as well. It is yeah. a gem, a huge great. park, also salt and sea. I've been there um, in my as the commissioner for boating, boating and waterways for state parks, so all gems. And I think, um, I believe in this case, I hope it's the right one, but this would be Colonel uh, Allen's State Historic Park. Yeah, I was um, thinking that too. Yeah, especially because when you, uh, and this is like kind of a good intro into both historic parks because you have historic parks that have a lot of recreational opportunities. You have historic parks that also really centered on, on the history and the story um, of a lot of communities that often haven't seen themselves represented. And I think Colonel Allensworth is a great example of that, of what does it mean to think of uh, an area in which you had a thriving Black community uh, back in the day that isn't there anymore in the same way. And yet it's important to know the history of why that was founded um, and then just what happened. What is the transition from that? And I think for anyone that is very unfamiliar with part of that history is a visit to uh, Colonel Allensworth State Historic Park. Yeah, I, I, that definitely the one I was thinking about. And in terms of the state historic parks, that is what you're likely to get, right, Chelsea, if you go to one is is more of the historical significance of that site, maybe activities that folks can participate in, as opposed to, say, just like a straight park. Exactly right. I mean, the ones that come to mind for me, there's two in LA I'll mention. Um, Watts Towers is a state park, and it's just very small, but you can go and appreciate the art that this man built and the community that has protected it for so long. Um, Los Angeles State Historic Park is a green space that's heavily used by the community adjacent to Chinatown. And there's a lot of history you can learn about this location in terms of railroad history, native history. Um, but then I was actually thinking I'm also from the Central Valley. And that made me oh. think Columbia State Historic Park, which is actually my sort of fourth grade era memory of California <laughs> historic parks, because my parents were explorers. We have some like gold rush history on the dad's, my dad's side of the family. And they love to go up to Columbia State Historic Park because it's this very well-preserved, 
gold mining town, and unlike many gold mining towns, it was never truly abandoned. There's always kind of been people living there. So you can go, you can get in a horse-drawn carriage ride, you can, you know, faux pan for gold. Um, there's a saloon that my mom would take me and we'd get a sarsaparilla and just sort of sit down and look at this architecture that still sort of exists in its actual state historically. So these historic parks are really just amazing history lessons brought to life. You know, there's so much you can learn in a textbook and there's so much you can learn just looking at photographs, but there's nothing quite like stepping into one of these things and feeling like you're sort of really experiencing history firsthand. Again, we're talking with outdoor enthusiasts Chelsea Lowe, a travel writer, Jose Gonzalez of Latino Outdoors, Brad Day of Weekend Sherpa. And let me remind you, you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're also hearing from you listeners with your questions and your recommendations. This listener writes, We'd love to hear about camping sites for single women travelers who don't want to be surrounded by crowds and want to get out and explore, hike, and enjoy nature. Ooh, as someone who has camped alone as well, Brad, what would you tell this listener about single women camping sites? <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, just ones that feel, you know, say, I think, safer, not too crowded, I guess, that this person sure. wants to know. Um, yeah, you know, um, one of my favorite camping spots um, is uh, up by the town of Mendocino. And they have some great state parks right by the right by Mendocino. One of them is Van Dam State Park, um, which has some great drive in camping. And it's probably not going to be too crazy crowded. You have the town of Mendocino, which you can stroll around. But if you want to get a little further back out, um, you can hike about, a, I think it's about a mile and a half. They have what are called environmental camps, campsites at uh, at Van Dam, And that just means that you can't drive to the, to the campsite. You have to hike to it or you can bike to it too. I believe it's called the, the Fern Canyon Trail and it's r relatively flat and you get back to these beautiful hiking campsites um, I think there's like seven or eight of them um, and you can hang out there and you won't get a lot of, of, of crowds. That's for sure. Um, but you still kind of have the the safety blanket of being in the state park and, and knowing that you're going to um, you're going to be safe. Um, so that's, that could be a good one. Do you have a go-to Brad for a particular time of year, like a park that you love to go to in fall or winter, for example, or just that yeah. it's seasonal for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, the coast, as we know, um, is just tremendous in the fall, especially September and October. Um, one of my favorite coastal camping spots, again, kind of coming back to this theme of it's hard to get this campsite, but worth putting on your, on your calendar is Salt Point State Park, um, mm -hmm. just north of Jenner on the Sonoma coast, just really stunning place to, to camp. It's a drive-in campsite. There's, um, some pretty mellow coastal hiking paths, um, the Gerstel Cove side of the camp of the campground has 30 sites that are just beautiful, stunning in the in the fall. And then continuing up into Mendocino, you can check out that Van Dam uh, State Park that I mentioned. And even further up, if you want to see the tallest trees in the entire world, you go to um, Prairie Creek Redwoods State Park and um, you can camp up there. And then you get a hike among these towering 300 foot tall giant trees that are just if you haven't been up to uh to Humboldt and seen um it's Redwoods National Park but they share that designation with a few different state parks um including Prairie Creek Redwoods go there it is really really great especially in the fall when you get some of that nice weather 
Well, Robert writes, we always need to be vigilant and aware of promoting private funding or even volunteer foundations caring for public resources rather than insisting on our tax dollars supporting public resources. Such private efforts, however well-intended, fit right in with right-wing efforts to defund public resources or even privatize these communal treasures. Do you have a similar feeling, Jose or, or Chelsea or... Yeah, I'm happy to quickly jump in with that and say I would argue for a public responsibility uh, for what we deem and designate as public, um, you know, public spaces and public resources for a variety of reasons. One of them is it keeps us engaged. And I think we have to be active um, in the choices that we make, because I often say policy is people choices <laughs> and how the state parks exist today are based on decisions that were, were made by people before us and that we're making now. How are we setting the boundaries of what state parks are for the future right now? And if we're not active in that, then we, you know, we have, we have to look at the choice of what we're inheriting. And so I would always advocate and argue for that um, because parks are not only about providing kind of a recreational uh, component, they, of course, provide the protection for a lot of these landscapes. Um, and they're also part of the work that we do to fight for climate change. They are, they are a part of our efforts at 30 by 30, protecting 30% of our landscape by 2030, um, as well as I always see them as part of our, our public education system. I see parks as part of our public health systems. They can offer so much, but we need to be uh, you know, active uh, as a public in their engagement and protection and support. Yeah. Well, give me one park on your bucket list, Jose. Is there one you haven't been to yet that you'd love to see? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, one of the ones that I, I want to keep going more to that I, I, I've only tangentially touched, but I just need deeper exploration is Anza Borrego, oh. uh, which is our largest state park. So big. <laughs> so much to do there. It is really amazing. How about you, Chelsea? Oh, man, I totally second Anza Borrego. And I will just since Jose said what I would say, um, I'm going to just shout out Mount San Jacinto State Park. I've been a couple of times and what is so amazing about it. And I don't think I didn't realize that. So Mount San Jacinto, the range, you know, drops down on the eastern side to Palm Springs. And so you can experience true desert landscape. And then you can ride the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway 2.5 miles up. I believe Mount San Jacinto State Park is our tallest elevation-wise state park. You can ride this amazing tram to the top, or you can experience it by driving up the other side into a town like Idlewild, which is actually one of those other hidden gems that I mentioned in that story. I mean, it's just kind of an amazing opportunity for a state park. You can experience the desert and pop up into the park. And yeah. And there's snow at the top. Well, Chelsea Lowe, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely. Check out Chelsea's travel writing. Jose of Latino Outdoors, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Gracias a todos. <laughs> Gracias. And Brad Day, Weekend Sherpa. Love having you on, Brad. Oh, thank you, Mina. Great to be here. And thank you, listeners, for your recommendations, your experiences, your great questions, and just reminding us to get outdoors. <laughs> thank you, Jennifer Eng, for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.